This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Hey, if you have a bulletin, I'm going to encourage you to grab that and have it with you. Um, of all days, I would just say today might be a good one to take notes. So if you've got a pen on the back of the chair there, you can grab one of those. And if you've got the bulletin, I'm not going to lie, uh, when I heard uh, that the spoof hounds were coming, I kind of directed a little bit of this towards you guys. So, uh, but I'll be honest, it, it's for everybody today. It's not like you came to church like, well, why did I come if you're just going to talk to them? No, this is for all of us. It's all in how you apply it to your life. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, maybe take some notes, think about this, study this throughout the week, and see what God wants to do in your life through this message today. Something popped up on my social media this week, and I was pretty fascinated by it. I have no idea why it popped up on my, on my feed unless I just said the word bridge or tree, and all of a sudden I was getting bridges and trees on social media. Does that not creep you out when that happens? But Philip, do you have the picture of the bridge that uh, I have in the, in the message. There it is. This is a living bridge. There's a tribe in India that's learned to make living bridges out of ficus tree roots. These bridges take anywhere from 15 to 30 years to grow and to create. These bridges can stretch anywhere from 15 to 250 feet across a river, a gorge, whatever it takes. And these ficus elastica, they generate strong rope-like aerial roots. And when they're connected to bamboo stalks, they're patiently growing horizontally in order to create a bridge. Now in these areas, modern wood or steel would never last because of the amount of moisture that there is in this area. It would rot or it would rust and they would not last as long. However, this kind of tree, this living bridge can last anywhere from five to 600 years. The only problem is it takes 15 to 30 years to grow this bridge. So how do you know? Let's see, I think I want a bridge here in three generations. How do, you, how do you have that foresight to go, this is where I want a bridge, so let's start growing it now and maybe my grandkids can walk on it. Think about that. The foresight involved in this, the vision to say, this is where we want to make things easier, not only for us in the future, but for the people to come after us to make it better for them. What if we had this kind of foresight in our lives? To say, I'm gonna make decisions now that will not only make my life better in the future, but it's gonna affect those that come behind me. I'm gonna make a choice that doesn't just help me in a year, two years, but 15, 20, 30 years down the road. Now, I got a football team sitting here, so let me just point it out like this. Guys, if I could tell you that if you would change one thing in your life, one thing, just today, this one thing would allow you to win the state championship. I mean, would you not want to know what that was? I think Coach Webb would probably pay me if I knew what that was. You can keep your money because I don't have a clue. But if we knew one thing that would help you get to that state championship, even win it, who wouldn't want to know that? The decisions you make now are going to determine who you are and what you do 
not just, again, one or two years, but 15, 20, 30 years down the road. However, when it comes to this idea of maybe creating a bridge, maybe finding a way to better my life, there's always going to involve change. And change is hard. Change is one of those things we like until we don't like it. And we go back to what we're comfortable with. How many ever made a New Year's resolution? Anybody in here, wanna be honest, that didn't last more than two weeks? So let's get the hand back up, be honest. Yeah, yeah, you made the change, but then all of a sudden you're like, I just really like who I was before and how easy it was before. So today we're gonna talk about keeping the change, not just changing, but truly keeping the change. And I believe to step toward God, who God is calling us to be. Think about this, if we wanna step toward who God is calling us to be, we have to step away from the security of who we're comfortable being. I'll say that again, to step toward the person God is calling us to be, we have to step away from that person that we're comfortable being. Now, there might be some of you who are hoping for change. Hope is a good thing. Hope can get us started in the change. You can hope to improve your marriage. You can hope to get in shape physically. You can hope to get more organized. You can hope to make better grades than you made last year. Hope is a good thing. But hope will not keep the change. Hope is good, but habits are what you have to adapt to and apply to your life in order to keep the change. Hope is great, but you've got to have habits that are gonna help you keep the change. So let me give you an example. I want you to think about four days ago. It was Wednesday. What did you do Wednesday morning? Might be different for every one of us, but think about it. What did you do Wednesday morning of this week? It's probably not real hard to think about what you did Wednesday morning of this week because it was probably a lot like Tuesday morning and it was probably a lot like Thursday morning. Well, I got up, the alarm went off, and let's just stop there. How many of you, the alarm went off and you're the person that just gets up instantly when the alarm goes off? Be honest. All right, let's, let's get real here. How many of you, the alarm goes off and you know I'm hitting the snooze two, three times at least. Okay, there's more snoozers in here than there are people that get up. But whatever you did on that morning, you probably did the same thing the morning before and the morning after. The alarm went off, you got up, you probably went to the restroom because that's what we all do, is it not? We go to the bathroom, we take care of business, and then we're on to getting breakfast, we're on to doing everything that we do the same every single day. You get dressed, take the kids to school, you drive to work, and you probably take the same route every single time. I know I do. I take Tessa to school every morning. I drive the same route to get to the middle school, the same route home, and then I do a few things to, before I drive to work the exact same way every single day. And my purpose for saying that is most of you, the, normally does it, what you do isn't the result of hope. What you do is the result of habit. Think about it. Hope alone won't change your life, but habits will. There's a fascinating study that shows that over 40% of the actions you do daily are not the result of the decisions, but they're the results of habits. Think about it, 40% of what you do is the result of habit. So you can hope to change, 
But until you apply a habit, you're never gonna keep the change. We're not just talking about daily habits today though. If we're gonna talk about this, this is not a self-help TED talk for you. We're gonna talk about applying some spiritual habits in order to change your life. Spiritual habits. So let's talk about the power of one habit. The power of one habit. If you have your Bibles, will you turn in the Old Testament to Daniel chapter six. Daniel chapter six. We're gonna talk about the power of one habit. One spiritual habit that can change your life. If you were in Sunday school, you've probably heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den. It's probably something you heard if you went to VBS or been in church at all. It's one of the popular stories. I wanna give you a little bit of a context before we start reading. In eight, or excuse me, 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians attacked the people of Jerusalem. They burned their temple, completely destroyed everything they could to humiliate the people of God, and they took them captive. And they took them captive, but they didn't just do that. They took the best of the best. They wanted the best of those people, and they started to indoctrinate them with the Babylonian ways in hopes to make them leaders, and so they would become part of them. And there was one kid in general that we're talking about, Daniel. He kind of stuck out above the rest, and the king tried to manipulate Daniel to train him in the ways of the Babylonian culture. Because he was under the reign of this king, you would think he had no chance. I mean, what, what, what chance does he have? He's getting indoctrinated into the Babylonian ways. It's just gonna happen. But one day, the king had some really weird dreams. And he had these interpreters that he would call in and say, I want you to interpret my dreams, but his own interpreters couldn't do it. But Daniel heard about this. God gave Daniel wisdom and the ability to interpret dreams. So he went to the king and he's like, hey king, let me tell you what your dream meant. Totally blew the king's mind. Now I want you to think about this because we're talking about a king here. King Nebuchadnezzar, have you ever heard of a king bowing to anyone? No, it's always people come to the king and they bow because he's royalty. But the Bible tells us he was so impressed by Daniel that the king bowed down and presented an offering and said, surely your God is the one true God. So how did Daniel get to the point where he has done something so incredible that this king is willing to bow to him instead of the other way around? It was one small habit that made a huge difference in Daniel's life. One small habit. Let me give you a little more backstory. As we're talking about this, how did Daniel get to this point? He had found favor with this king. The king wanted to promote Daniel, but the king's leaders were jealous. They didn't like it. They didn't want Daniel to be promoted, so they said, we gotta find some way to get him canceled. We gotta find a flaw in his character. We gotta discredit him. Whatever we gotta do, we gotta find something wrong with him. The problem was, when they looked into his life, they could find nothing. Nothing wrong with Daniel. So look at Daniel chapter six, verse five with me. It's the first scripture we're gonna see. What's it say? Finally, the men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these evil leaders, they're trying to discredit him. There's nothing. So here's what they do. They go to the king and they said, king, here's what you need to do. For the next 30 days, you need to tell everybody that they need to pray to you and you alone. If they pray to anybody else, we throw them in the lion's den. 
Basically what happened is they couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel, so they took something Daniel was doing and made it wrong. If anyone prays to anybody else, you throw them in the lion's den. King's like, that sounds pretty good. I like it. And we're about to see how one habit made Daniel the man of God that he was. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 of Daniel 6. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, it does not say he said, you know what? I probably shouldn't pray anymore. He didn't say, I probably ought to lay off for 30 days because that was the time they gave. If I'll just not pray for 30 days, everything will be fine. I won't have to worry about this. What's it say? He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Nothing changed. He didn't go back to what might be comfortable. Hey, I don't wanna ruffle any feathers. I don't wanna make anybody angry. I don't wanna get thrown in the lion's den. No, he went home and continued to do what he had been doing every single day. He kept that change in his life. And the guys went to the king, of course, and they said, hey, Daniel was bad. He prayed to somebody else besides you. King didn't even like this because he liked Daniel. He did not want to throw him in the lion's den. But he had pressure from these leaders. He had already made the law. So what's gonna happen? They throw him in the lion's den. Bible tells us the king was up all night long. He was worried about Daniel. So look at verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Clearly, he didn't want to do this. He didn't even like that he put him there. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in the sight, nor have I been doing, have done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. Again, how in the world was Daniel able, Daniel able to survive these lions? I mean, this is not some kind of Siegfried and Roy thing where he had a chair and a whip and he's like talking and taming the lions. That's not what this was. He literally got lowered down into a den of lions that could have eaten him like that. If you keep reading, you're gonna find that other people experienced what the lions could do, but not Daniel. Because of one small habit. One small habit changed everything. Which leads me to the question, what one small habit, if applied to your life, would change everything? What one small habit do you need to apply that could change everything about your life? Not just next year, not just three years from now, but 15, 20, 30 years from now. I believe that prayer that Daniel did could enhance your faith if you prayed daily to your God, it would strengthen your connection with God. You would have a greater awareness of his presence, of how to hear his voice, the confidence to say no to temptation. If you took on one small habit of just praying daily, never underestimate how God can start something big through one small habit. If you want your marriage to look different, it could start with one small habit. You want your faith to look different, you want your health to look different. One small habit is where it starts. Your friendships, whatever it is, 
So let's get personal this morning. I'm not here to give you some idea of what I think you need to change in your life. That's why I asked you to grab your bulletin and a pen. My question to you is, not here's what you need to change. My question is what do you need to change? What's one small habit that you need to create in your life that could change everything about who you're becoming? I believe that is a question that only you and God can answer. I cannot answer that for you. If I tried to answer that for you a week from now, you'd be saying, what are you talking about? We need to change something. You'd forget all about it. It'd be gone. We're talking about keeping the change. And in order to do that, I'm just asking you to write a couple things down. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. In order to keep the change, this is not about behavior modification. It's about spiritual transformation. Big difference. This is not about behavior modification. It's about spiritual transformation. Let me give you an example. If you accepted Jesus into your heart, many people say, yes, I'm saved. I don't do this, 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 or this anymore. That's behavior modification. You just stop doing some things that maybe you shouldn't have been doing anyway. But when you say, I accepted Jesus into my heart and Romans 8, 1 and 2 says this, therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It's a spiritual transformation. You're gonna keep the change in your life when God is the purpose or the product of that change. There is a spiritual transformation. That's why we wanna make change. We don't just wanna be better in better shape. We wanna honor God with our bodies. We don't wanna just make better decisions. We wanna honor God with our lifestyle. So we make the change and we keep the change. Second thing, I would encourage you to write down. One of the reasons you do the things you do is because of what you think of you. Sounds real deep, Chad, it's not. I'm gonna say it again. One of the reasons you do the things you do is because of what you think of you. The reason we find ourselves clinging to our comfort zone is because we think, I can't change. I've tried it before, it didn't work. I changed and then I went right back for whatever reason. Or I really wanna be this, but I, I'm not good enough to be that. There's no way I could ever make it there. So therefore, the reason we are who we are is because of what we think of who we are. So if you wanna think or change what you do, you need to change what you think of you. And can I start by telling you, you are not who you think you are. You are who God says you are. You are not who you think you are. You are who God says you are. And that will help you keep the change. I'm not just changing on my own. I have the identity of God transforming me, spiritual transformation, transforming me to be like Christ, empowering me to do the will of God. So I guess that leads to the next question, and that is this. Do you even know what you want to become? If it were a bridge, would you know where to place it? Do you know what you're looking to be in the future? Have you thought about that? I'm not just talking to students today. I'm talking to all of us. Are there things in your life that you need to change in order to become who you want to become? Do you even know what that looks like? I wanna be a loving and engaged mother. 
I want to be a spiritual example to my kids. I want to be a godly witness to people at work. And based on who you want to become, what is one habit that you need to adapt and change into today to make that happen? Only you can answer that. Knowing who I want to become, I need to start what? Again, I can't tell you what that is. And it doesn't have to be big. It can be the most simple thing that you start there, but it cascades. It begins to create other change in your life. And before long, you're building a bridge, connecting the person that you wanna be to the person that you are now. You don't have to say, I wanna run a triathlon by Friday. You don't have to say, I wanna pay my house off by next month. That's pretty impossible unless you're a bank robber or really good at poker. One of those two. It's about the only way you're gonna find something like that. It might be that you wanna be more disciplined. So what's one habit you need to start in order to be more disciplined? Maybe you wanna be closer to God. So your one small habit is going to your Bible before you go to social media every day. For some, that would be a miracle. But we serve a miracle working God, thank goodness. You wanna leave a spiritual legacy? Maybe it's starting the one small habit of praying with your kids before they go to bed at night. Whatever it is, you have to decide in your heart what that is. You have to have the foresight to say, God, who do you want me to become? What should I look like in 15, 20, 30 years? Maybe you've only got that much time left on this earth. You still should be asking that question. There's a book called The Power of Habit. We've talked about it before because we've talked about keystone habits. The power of habit says not all habits are created equal. Some will leave a much bigger effect on your life. These high return habits are called keystone habits. And if you're going to adopt only one new habit, it should be one of these. Well, what's a keystone habit? Well, they look just like any other habit on the surface. They don't look any different. The difference is the keystone habits tend to have a ripple effect and they'll change the behavior of your life in unexpected ways. You find yourselves doing other good things because of one keystone habit. See, in architecture, the keystone locks all the other stones in place and keeps them in that place. Keystone habits help hold all other habits in place. I'm gonna give you a simple example. For some reason, in church, excuse me, working out always applies to church. I don't know why everybody always likes to use that example of working out. But when you exercise regularly, that is a habit that many of us, man, we wanna be stronger, we wanna look better, we wanna stay healthy. But for many people, that is a keystone habit because when you exercise regularly, you actually are making healthier eating choices. Because you're exercising, you're like, why would I ruin that by eating junk? So I'm gonna eat better because I'm working to make my body better. So you make healthier choices. Did you know when you're exercising that you procrastinate less? You put things off less. You do the dishes earlier because they needed to be done and you're willing to just do it. Did you know you use your credit card less just by exercising? I'm not making this up. It's crazy that those things would be connected, but that is a keystone habit that begins to give discipline to your life and it works out in other ways. Seems to be an ordinary habit, but it has a cascading effect. 
So let's use this in a spiritual text. A couple decides to pray together regularly. They just wanna have a better marriage. They wanna have a God in the middle of their marriage. So they decide, I'm gonna pray together regularly. You're more likely to go to church together. You're more likely to get involved in church together. You're more likely to be part of a small group just by starting to pray together. You're more likely to have other people praying for you. You're less likely to chase down that person that told you you were number one because of your terrible driving habits and try to kill them because you prayed. So you have spiritual momentum that helps you in all relationships, not just in the one that you're praying with. One small habit begins to affect other areas of your life. Remember the story of Daniel earlier? He had one habit of praying three times a day. And when the officials tried to find anything, any kind of fault, they couldn't find anything. I want you to look back at verse four. Daniel 6, 4. It says they could not find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. We're seeing three characteristics. He's trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent, and it all came from one habit of praying daily to God. What's one thing that you could apply to your life that's gonna change your life in the future? How are we gonna create a new habit? But more importantly, it's not just changing, it's keeping the change. How are we gonna do that? I have two simple things. They're right here already on the bulletin for you. The first one is this, make it obvious. Make it obvious. If you like to take vitamins, but you forget all the time, stop putting those vitamins in the cabinet. Set them out on the cabinet or on the counter by your cereal bowl so that when you go to eat cereal, you're gonna see the vitamins, therefore you'll take the vitamins. Same works with our spiritual life. You wanna read your Bible more? Stop shoving it in the drawer. Set it on top of your phone that's sitting on your nightstand so that when you wake up in the morning, you grab your Bible before you ever touch your phone. Make it obvious. Make it simple. It's not complicated. If you wanna read your Bible every day, you have to be able to set that in front of you somewhere where you know it's gonna happen. Set a reminder in your phone. If you know what time you get up, 15 minutes later, there should be a reminder that goes off. Whatever time of day you know you're free, have a reminder go off to remind you to do it. Make it obvious. The second thing, make it easy. This is not rocket science. Make it easy. Let's say you wanna pray with your spouse, but that freaks you out because you've never prayed out loud before and you're afraid you'll have to pray in front of somebody. Take the woman's hand, hold her hands and just start thanking God for what you have. God, thank you for our kids. Thank you that I haven't killed one, even though yesterday they made some horrible decisions. Not mine, yours. God, thank you for our home. Thank you for jobs. And before long, you find yourself having a conversation with God, all because you started one small habit. Make it easy. You wanna start memorizing scripture? Make it obvious. Be the best thing you could do in your life is start memorizing scripture, placing God's word in your heart. Make it obvious. Write it on a sticky note, put it on your bathroom mirror, and every time you're brushing your teeth in the morning, some people say they're ABCs. Why not quote a scripture? 
When you go to bed at night and you're brushing your teeth before you go to bed, you're reading that scripture again. Make it obvious. And don't start with a paragraph. Make it easy. John 35, one, Jesus wept. I just helped you with the simplest scripture ever. That's, I mean, that's it. That's your first one, Jesus wept. But then you can graduate to Romans 8, 31. When, when we, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What happens when you start memorizing those and place them in your heart, when you find yourself in a bad situation, in a crisis moment, those scriptures come not just to your heart, they come to your mind from your heart. And they begin to feed you with information to go, I can do this because if God is for me, who can be against me? I can do this because God is on my side. You begin to quote the scriptures that you've been learning. Make it obvious, make it easy. Think about Daniel again. How often did he pray? Three times a day. So when he was having his bran muffin in the morning, he'd take time to pray. When he was having his Jimmy John's at lunch, he would take time to pray. When he was having his steak and potatoes at dinner, he would take time to pray. Now I'm making some of you hungry. You're praying that I'll shut up so you can go eat. (laughs) Make it obvious, but make it easy. Let's close it out with 1 Timothy 4.8. Physical training is good. That's nice to know. That backs up why I spent time in Ryan Lessman's building so much. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Don't miss that. And you can have all the muscle in the world. Where's it gonna get you 30 years from now? Where's it gonna get you 50 years from now? Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promises, benefits in this life and in the life to come. You're not just making decisions for today. You're making decisions that are gonna help you throughout your entire life. You're making decisions that are gonna help you for an eternity. One small habit, we become more like Christ every single time we adapt one small habit, especially if it's one of those keystone habits. We begin to see the ripple effect of how it changes all of our life. Hope will get you started, but habits will help you keep the change. Will you show the picture of that bridge tree one more time? You know what I see when I see this tree? Every one of those limbs that are creating the strength of that bridge that are really holding it together is a decision. Every one of those are different choices made that are prolonging not only your life, but prolonging your ability to sustain your life with God. Every decision you're making is saying, I care enough about my life. I care enough about my kids, my future grandkids, whoever it is, I care enough about them that I'm making decisions that are gonna entwine and they're gonna create who I am today, but they're also gonna create who I am 15, 20, and 30 years from now. What one habit do you need to start today based on who you wanna become? And you can say, Chad, what's one small habit? It's not that big of a deal. Zechariah 4.10 says this. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. It's gotta start somewhere. It's gotta start somewhere. So just one small habit that you can adapt to now and keep 
the change. Don't just think behavior modification. I'll just stop doing some things that I think are bad. That's good. You can do that. But it's spiritual transformation that's gonna help you keep the change in your life. Will you do me a favor? Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, this is nothing profound. This is pretty simple, pretty basic, but that doesn't mean it's easy. I think every one of us can look back on our life and say, man, I tried to change here and here and here, yet I kept going back to the same things. Kept finding myself in that, what we call comfort zone. Lord, I pray today that you are speaking into our hearts. Lord, that you're calling us out to be who you called us to be. That we would see ourselves as you see us, not as we see us. Because as long as we see us the way we see us, things aren't going to change. It's when we see us the way you see us, knowing who you want us to become. we'll begin to apply those habits to our lives. Not only to just go back and start back where we were before, but Lord, that we would keep the change in our life, continuing to do the things that you've called us to do so that we can be the husband that you've called us to be, the father that you've called us to be, the wife that you've called us to be, the coworker you've called us to be, the employer the student that you've called us to be. This is where I give you the opportunity today, church, to have a conversation with God because I can tell you what you need to change, but that is not my role. That's not my job. That is between you and our Heavenly Father to tell you what needs to change. So I just encourage you, would you take a moment and listen? Don't just do the talking, but listen to what God would say to you today. Father, thank you for the examples that you give us in your word. People like Daniel who are willing to go against the grain, 
it could have been very easy for him to pray quietly, to stop praying altogether because of those around him. Lord, he knew who he was called to be. He continued to communicate with you, which is what carried him through everything that you took him through. That one small habit of praying made all the difference in his life. And I pray that we could learn from that, that we could grow from that. God, that we would study that this week and see how we can apply him and his story to our life. And we would be willing to not just change, but keep that change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.